Welcome to this week's edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am Daniel Oyafusi. My usual running mate, Barry Jackson, is not with us this week. However, we have a very special guest to help us kick off week one of the NFL regular season, which will see the Dolphins travel to Foxborough to face the New England Patriots. Uh, now, I'd like to welcome Doug Kide, who is a national NFL reporter for PFF. But uh, before that, he worked as a Patriots reporter with Nesson for several, several years. So first, I want to say welcome to the show, Doug, and thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Daniel. This should be this should be a good time. No, most definitely, most definitely. And we're going to get into everything Dolphins Patriots in a bit. But I want to start with uh, some news that came out Monday as uh, teams were coming back from the Labor Day weekend, getting ready to prepare for the week one game. And, um, of course, we, we still have the COVID situation looming over uh, the country, looming over sports and looming over the NFL. Uh, it, it will this season. The Dolphins announced that two players had been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list, that being left tackle Austin Jackson and tight end Adam Shaheen. Now, NFL Network reported that Shaheen uh, tested positive, and as an unvaccinated player, he will miss 10 days and obviously miss the season opener. He was placed on the COVID list back in August and upon returning, told reporters that he made the decision not to get vaccinated and he wasn't going to be strong-armed by the league's policy. Um, Now, uh, Coach Brian Flores said that there's a possibility that they will get both Jackson and Shaheen in time. But just given uh, Shaheen's vaccination status and him it, it being reported that he tested positive, that seems unlikely. Now, Jackson, on the, other, on the other hand, his vaccination status is unknown. However, it was reported by Pro Football Talk that he also tested positive. So to break down the NFL protocols, if you test positive and you're unvaccinated, it is a minimum 10-day quarantine before returning. If you test positive and you are vaccinated, you, you can return after returning two negative tests within 24 hours apart. And if you are unvaccinated and deemed a close contact, you have to quarantine for at least five days. If you're vaccinated and a close contact, you're, you're free to go. So there are clear distinctions for vaccinated and unvaccinated players. Now, while Shaheen was more of a, a second tight end behind Mike Gusecki, Austin Jackson is the clear the clear player who the Dolphins would be hurt by if he was unable to suit up. And this is where I want to bring you in, Doug, to ask, uh, as of now, the Dolphins are preparing as if Jackson will not play. If he is unable to play, how do you think that impacts this matchup and what the Patriots might do on defense to exploit a still young offensive line. It, it definitely impacts things. I would say that Austin Jackson didn't have the greatest rookie season last year. So in kind of comparing this to the to the situation that the Cowboys are going through right now, where Zach Martin also is missing time on the COVID list, there's a much more significant drop in my mind from, from Zach Martin down to Connor McGovern in Dallas than there might be in Miami from Austin Jackson down to Greg Little. That being said, clearly there's a reason why the Dolphins want Austin Jackson to be that starting left tackle. First round pick, high upside for him, and bringing it back down to Greg Little, I think that will make an impact. And the Patriots, 
added a lot to their front seven this offseason. Uh, they brought back Kyle Van Noy. Josh Uche had a massive preseason for them as a second-year player. Uh, they've also got Matt Judon in, in, their, in the mix. Chase Winovich is buried on the depth chart, so that kind of tells you how good the rest of that group could look. Uh, Dante Hightower back after missing last season. Uh, a lot of guys in their interior who can get after the passers. So not in an, an ideal situation for the Dolphins, to potentially be without one of their starting offensive linemen in this game after the Patriots did make so many improvements on the edge at linebacker in their interior uh, this offseason. So, uh, like I said, maybe not as big of an impact as it would have been for the Cowboys if they're going to be without Zach Martin, but still there there could be a significant drop-off there uh, from Austin Jackson to Greg Little at left tackle. Correct. And you, you mentioned Greg Little. Another potential option is maybe plugging in Liam Eichenberg, the team's second round pick at left tackle. He did start 38 games at Notre Dame, but throughout training camp, he's played exclusively at left guard and right tackle. Uh, we spoke to Brian Flores on, on Monday, and he said the team has multiple options there. Uh, another option is even maybe moving right tackle Jesse Davis, who started a couple games at left tackle to the left side. Uh, Brian Flores said that his philosophy is to get the best five guys out there and then go from there. I think that if you're looking at the best five options or best five players for the Dolphins, I would probably take Liam Eichenberg over Greg Little just because he's been around the team a little more. He does Mm -hmm. have experience at left tackle, but still he's coming back from an injury. Flores said he's day-to-day. We're not sure where he is health-wise, and that is a daunting task to, to ask Liam Eichenberg or Greg Little to go in there. So it's not ideal at all. We still have a couple more days to see if Austin Jackson does return. And obviously, if he does come back, it becomes a new point. Now, shifting gears to the Patriots, who the Dolphins, again, will play to open up their season. I want to ask you, what are your impressions of the 2021 Patriots? Now, this is a team that went 7-9, and nine, uh, the first season without Tom Brady, in about two decades, the Cam Newton experiment had some ups early and then some downs, and then he tested positive for COVID, and he just never really regained that early season form. They had some some issues on defense with some guys opting out and whatnot. From what you've seen in training camp and them kind of transitioning into the Mac Jones era, what do you what do you think of this team? I think they're going to be significantly better than they were last season. They had some pretty serious issues last season with opt-outs, with injuries, even just Bill Belichick referenced this last season, but just the cap really prevented them from improving their team as much as they could have last season. They were still carrying dead cap uh, with Tom Brady and Antonio Brown last season, which really cut into their ability to improve their team. This season, that dead cap was all gone, and they really splurged in free agency. Referenced Matt Judon earlier, Kyle Van Noy, uh, but they also improved uh, their interior with Devon Godshaw. Uh, they brought in a lot of uh, offensive help as well with Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Henry Hunter Henry, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, brought back Trent Brown. It really just, they're a pretty solid team overall this season the one area of concern that I would point to is just in at cornerback as long as Stefan Gilmore is out uh, he's still on the pup list 
dealing with some some contract issues. So he won't play the first six weeks of the season. And without Stephon Gilmore in there, they've got J.C. Gordon. Uh, J.C. Jackson is a really good outside cornerback. But then they've also got Jalen Mills, who's kind of moving from a slot slash safety role onto the outside. He's one potential option there. They might have Joe Williams, who was a second-round pick a couple of years ago, fill in for Stephon Gilmore. Uh, they've got Jonathan Jones in the slot and some good safety depth. But really that outside cornerback spot opposite of J.C. Jackson could be a real trouble spot for them. But like I said, otherwise – they really improved the team, looking solid overall. Running back is looking solid. It all depends on how well Mac Jones can play. Uh, but one of their biggest issues last season was just the weapons on offense. You had Ryan Izzo playing tight end. You had Demir Bird starting at wide receiver. And, uh, Nikhil Harry starting at wide receiver. They really just improved those wide receiver and tight end positions. Um, and the offensive line has been shored up as well. Uh, they lost Joe Tooney, but like I said, brought in Trent Brown. So it, it's, it's interesting because I, I actually would have – like to have seen how Cam Newton looked this season with a better team around him and with better offensive weapons around him. Obviously, the Patriots did decide that that Mac Jones was the better option there at cornerback. Uh, so I'm also obviously interested to see how Mac Jones looks. Uh, but just overall, much better situation that they were in last season when even on defense, you had Nick Thurman playing defensive tackle, Therese Hall. Like, they were in really rough shape overall at a number of different positions, uh, and they really made moves to improve those this year. And you mentioned Cam Newton. I think that there was surprise league-wide when the news came out that they were cutting him. How surprised were you? And what does that maybe say about Mac Jones and what he showed what he showed them throughout training camp in the preseason? I was surprised. Although, you know what? Right before it happened, I think like the day or two before, I still have contact with a lot of the, the Patriots beat reporters. And they were having trouble getting the team to make Cam Newton available to the media. I think a lot of them were thinking that it was still stemming from the COVID issues, that the the Patriots probably didn't want Cam Newton to be talking about what led him into COVID protocol. But I didn't wind up saying this to them, but since you were having such issues getting Cam Newton to talk, I almost said to them, you guys might have talked to Cam Newton for the last time as a Patriot. Like, and if it wasn't, you know, Mac Jones winning the job and Cam Newton getting released, it could have just been Mac Jones winning the job, Cam Newton being a backup, and then with the new COVID protocol with the media, the Patriots just never making Cam Newton available to the media again for the rest of the season as a backup quarterback. So it was kind of in the back of my mind that, well, if Mac Jones wins this job, then maybe they do do something with Cam Newton, whether that's trading him or releasing him. And Right after he was released, I, I essentially asked him sources two different questions. One of those was, are you surprised that he was re- released? And the overwhelming response was, no, not really, just because he's not a great backup, uh, simply because he does have such a command over the locker room and because of his vaccination status. That's not to say that Bill Belichick cut Cam Newton because he's not vaccinated. But if you have to rely on your backup quarterback to go in at a moment's notice, if, the, if something happens to the starter, you don't necessarily want the backup to also have some availability issues because of COVID. Um, and then the other question I asked was, do you think that Cam Newton gets picked up right away? And the other response there was, no, probably not. And it did kind of stem to those same issues of the vaccination status, um, his popularity around the locker room, but also just that he is kind of a, a player in decline, maybe not the best backup option. So maybe if a starting job becomes available, then maybe he gets picked up. But even then, you're you're expecting this guy 
to learn an entire playbook at a moment's notice. So unless it was a team with a offense similar to the Patriots or similar to what, uh, you know, he used to be running in Carolina, it's just a tough situation for Cam Newton to find a job right away right now. Yeah, those are all really fair points. And like you, I was very interested to see how Cam Newton was going to fare in this offense. I think that bringing in Henry and Smith were going to do wonders for him. And now it looks like they're going to do wonders for Mac Jones, (laughs) who I want to ask you about next. And really transitioning into him, you were able to to see him up close for a bit before you really took on this this national football reporter role with PFF. Uh, What were your impressions of Mac Jones? What has stood out to you? And what do you expect from him? Because I think that his rise over the past year since he started at Alabama has been astronomical. I wasn't even expected to be a first-round pick. And all of a sudden, he leads Alabama to a national championship, and then he's the number 15 overall pick. Yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting to, to see the rise there. And even over the course, like you said, last year, like even after he finished at Alabama and won the national championship game, there was no real guarantee that he was going to be a first-round pick until we got a little bit further into the process, and there were all the rumors about the 49ers taking him number three overall. I think that that actually helped the Patriots a little bit that, you know, when he was being viewed initially as, okay, maybe a fringe first-round pick, if the Patriots had taken him at number 15 overall, people might have been like, okay, that's maybe you know reaching a little bit on Mac Jones. Then all of a sudden when you're talking about him being the number three overall pick, taking him at 15 looked fine. And uh, also, like you said, I got to see him a lot during OTs and minicamp. I also uh, went to Patriots practice a decent amount since I still live about 20 minutes away from the stadium for training camp. And I was just overall really impressed with him. I I thought that, you know, the accuracy was there. There's still going to be some growing pains for him earlier in the season. Uh, Rookie quarterbacks always hold onto the ball for a little bit too long. Um, I'm sure that he doesn't have the playbook down pat to the way that Tom Brady used to or some of the other quarterbacks that they've had throughout the years just because, you know, he he hasn't been in the system that long. So they might not be able to throw everything at him all at once. But uh, I do think that that stretch while Cam Newton was out on COVID protocol, was really important for Mac Jones because he was able to practice for five days without Cam Newton, you know, taking those first team reps away from him. Uh, One of those was a joint practice against the Giants where Mac Jones went, I believe it was 48 for 55 in competitive throwing drills. That was one-on-one, seven-on-sevens, and 11-on-elevens. And, I mean, you know from watching training camp, like no matter who you're going against, no matter what the situation is, only missing seven passes during the entire practice is pretty impressive. Um, so I one other thing during that practice that I was impressed by was actually just his, his uh, I guess athleticism isn't the best way to say it, but his ability to throw on the move and his ability to freelance a little bit because he was getting out of the pocket against the Giants and he was kind of moving his teammates around, you know, getting them to get into the corner of the end zone, throw a touchdown pass that way. It wasn't all on script. So his ability to kind of play off script in a competitive practice against another team was something that really stood out to me and maybe wasn't something that I was expecting out of a player like Mac Jones, you know, coming out of college when he wasn't known as the most mobile, uh, you know, option. But still, he's a guy who ran, I think, a 4.8240. So it's not like he's a statue in the pocket. He's not Ryan Mallett back there with a 5.340 or something like that. Um, he, he's got a little bit more athleticism than you, you might expect. I don't think that he's going to come out 
gangbusters the way that, you know, Justin Herbert did last season. Uh, but I do think that he'll be a solid, um, you know, game manager as a rookie. And given everything else that they added around him, that might be enough for the Patriots uh, to, to make the playoffs as a rookie. And, you know, him kind of taking that same mold that Tom Brady did early in his career before he was actually Tom Brady. But in 2001, 2002, uh, when he was more of that game manager, I think that that's how they'll they'll ease Mac Jones into this offense a little bit. No, definitely. I, I definitely understand that. I can understand how a lot of people are bullish on the Patriots this season with Matt Jones, albeit a rookie quarterback. And you mentioned Tom Brady. I wanted to ask you about that. Obviously, he's just naturally going to be compared to Tom Brady as the, you know, the succeeding, the, the legend that is Tom Brady. And then you, you bring in the, the, the body, physique, the, <laughs> the look, um, playing under Saban and the ties to Belichick. How much of those comparisons are legit and how much are just kind of natural uh, natural comparisons that he's going to get as the the follower of Tom Brady? You know, it's it's interesting. And I I don't particularly look at Mac Jones' game and say, okay, that looks exactly like Tom Brady to me. I think that there's definitely elements where, um, you know, he's good pre-snap. I think that uh, he's very composed when he's on the field. Those are all things that, that Tom Brady did as well. But that's that's something that a lot of quarterbacks do. I, it's interesting to me when you see guys like Charlie Weiss, who actually worked with Tom Brady, make that comparison to Tom Brady, because make that comparison with Mac Jones, because I don't think that there's someone who's going to do that lightly. And I think that they might see some of the things you know, that we might not see behind the scenes where he might be comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady from a preparation standpoint or, you know, what he can do cerebrally. The one thing that I would say, and it goes back to what I was just saying from what I saw from Mac Jones during training camp, is that Mac Jones is definitely a better athlete than Tom Brady is. I mean, just you look at that, and once again, it's not like he's running a 4-4-40. It's not like he's Justin Fields out there, but a 4-8-2-40 is significantly better than the way that Tom Brady can move, especially Tom Brady at 44 years old. But Tom Brady's never been the most mobile option. Uh, but even during the pre-draft process, because I was still covering the Patriots at the time, we were comparing all these quarterbacks. I looked at all the top five first-round picks to see you know who would fit the Patriots the best. And one thing that I actually did find pretty interesting even at the time is that Trey Lance didn't run the 40 uh, during the combine or at his pro day, but he's known as, you know, one of the best rushing quarterbacks probably in the NFL right now. During the recruiting process, Mac Jones ran a 4-9-1-40. I think that Trey Lance ran like a 4-9-2 or a 4-9-4. So I don't think anyone in the world would expect Mac Jones to have run a, a faster 40 than Trey Lance before college during that whole recruiting process. But that just does go back to a little bit that, that Mac Jones is a little bit more athletic than those guys like Kirk Cousins and like Tom Brady. And I'm not saying that that's going to be a massive part of his game, but I do think that he can get outside the tackles and make some, some throws off script a little bit better than Tom Brady. And obviously there's a million things that he's going to be doing worse than Tom Brady. Uh, but I do think that that just goes to show that they aren't clones of each other. It, it's not like you can expect Mac Jones to come in and be the exact exact replica of Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I'm really excited to get to watch him in person. I'll be headed down to Foxborough this weekend. I was able to watch the Patriots' first preseason game. And, mm -hmm. you know, I thought really, I thought Mac Jones played really well. So to see him in person is going to be cool. Now, we're going to take a short break, but we still have a lot to get into 
regarding the Dolphins and Patriots, who will kick off their 2021 season playing each other this Sunday. Uh, so stay with us. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to Dolphins in Depth. Podcast. I am Daniel Oyafushi, and once again, I am joined by a very special guest, Doug Kide, who is a national NFL reporter for Pro Football Focus, and he previously covered the Patriots for several years with Nesson. Now, we've been talking a lot about the Patriots, the 2021 version of the Patriots, Mac Jones, what we expect, and now I really want to get into what everyone has been talking about since Mac Jones was anointed the starter, and that is the the reunion of the Alabama quarterbacks, that being Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones, these two shared the quarterback room along with Jalen Hurts, but Tua and Mac overlapped for the 2017 and 2018 season. Um, Tua then obviously went to Miami as the number five overall pick. Mac Jones stepped into the starting role and was a Heisman finalist, leading Bama to another national championship and. Uh, just naturally with that background, these two are going to be connected for really the, the rest of their careers, and you just throw that cherry on top with them being in the same division. Now, I want to I ask you something that a lot of Dolphins fans and Dolphins Twitter has been really riled up about, and they've, they've even let me know just the, the overall, I guess, national media perception of the two. I think that, and you could correct me, but I think that if you just generally survey the national landscape, it appears that there's way more optimism and belief in the Matt Jones-led Patriots than the Tua-led Dolphins. And I don't know why that is. I had a hunch that, you know, there's more faith in the unknown of Matt Jones and maybe that Tristan Belichick over what we've seen, the small sample size that we've seen from Tua, good, bad, in between. And people are just kind of siding with what they don't know because it's, it's easier to do that than side with something you, you do know. What is your take on this Tua-Mac comparison and uh, just the overall perception of the two quarterbacks? It, it's interesting because I agree with you. I, I It does feel like there's much more optimism around not only the Patriots but also just – Mac Jones right now over Tua, and I do think it stems from that unknown. Mac Jones is coming in with a clean slate off one of the absolute greatest college seasons ever, one of the most accurate college seasons uh, by a quarterback ever. And with Tua, the the major hip injury followed by a season where he had to get bailed out by Ryan Fitzpatrick a decent amount last season. And maybe the national media 
is blowing that up a little bit too much. Statistically, Tua was solid last season, uh, wasn't on the level of, of a Justin Herbert or some of the other recent quarterbacks, but definitely was absolutely not a disaster out there for Miami last season. Uh, but there are just those two factors where you've got Tua coming off the hip injury and then didn't have the greatest rookie season. I suppose I could see from a from an outsider's perspective that, yeah, this guy who is coming in with a clean slate, who you know has all these offensive improvements around him, might have higher expectations. That being said, I know the Dolphins fans are very sensitive right now about Tua, uh, and I've experienced it a little bit as well. I was, I think, I think it stemmed from an appearance I had on the Ringer NFL show where I wasn't that high on Tua uh, earlier this off season. And I guess I sort of still feel the same way. I guess I'll I'll just accept the brunt of uh, whatever Dolphins Twitter has to throw at me about that. But I want to see it. I just want to see him have that season this year where he doesn't have Ryan Fitzpatrick breathing down his neck and able to breathe and bail him out during these games. Uh, obviously, he's still got a really solid backup in Jacoby Brissett this season. Uh, but Jacoby Brissett just doesn't come with that same, I guess, gravitas that someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick does because he doesn't have that much experience as a starter. He's not that gunslinger uh, who can, you know, turn around a game at a moment's notice like Ryan Fitzpatrick can. So I guess I would probably, I would probably agree with that outside perspective that I do have higher hopes maybe overall for Mac Jones than I do for Tua. But I also acknowledge that that might not be fair because Tua was such a better prospect during, you know, the the peak of his career at Alabama than Mac Jones ever was. Um, you know, there was the tank for Tua. There was everything. Everyone was incredibly high on Tua. But Tua was great at Alabama. He left, and then Mac Jones statistically was even better when he took over. So I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a really difficult conversation. And as you said leading up to this question, it's going to be fascinating to watch these guys – improve along their careers, playing the same division, facing each other twice. They're going to be compared forever just based on the fact that they did go to the same school and that they were teammates. And then Mac Jones followed up to uh, in Alabama. Most definitely. And I'm going to have to put you on the spot, you know, in a vacuum, who are you taking? Are you taking Mac? Are you taking Tua? Because like I said, I think that a lot of the faith in Mac Jones comes from him being paired with Bill Belichick. And I'm thinking yeah. if the roles were reversed and you have Mac with Brian Flores, Tua mm-hmm. with Bill Belichick, is it different? But I just want to say in a vacuum, if you're just starting a franchise with one of these two quarterbacks, who are you taking and why? That's a really tough question. I, you know what, this is going to, this is going to make me sound like I'm like a New England homer or something like that. I promise I'm not. I guess I would take Mac just because the hip injury happened, you know, like, like what we saw from Tua at Alabama was before this massive injury that we all think that Tua can come back from it. We all think that Tua can be the player that he could be before that injury, but we didn't quite see it last season. And I think that there just is maybe a little bit more doubt, a little bit more question around Tua because of that and because of the season that he had. So it's incredibly close. Like you said, it is really putting people on the spot to, to have to choose. Um, I think that Tua probably has more raw talent because of his athleticism. Um, but just given everything that we know up to this point, I guess I would give the slight edge to Mac, even though even in my head right now, that sounds kind of, kind of crazy to say. 
Yeah, I think both of them have um, clear strengths. They both have clear weaknesses or things that are uh, traits that you would you would seek other quarterbacks if you right. were trying to build a perfect quarterback. Uh, to two is, you know, I'll come to two as defense since you you do have the New England roots, and I'm not. I don't have the Miami roots, but I'm based in Miami now, <laughs> right. so I will come to the defense of Tua. He did spend the duration of his offseason training in South Florida. He said that he feels completely healthy, way better than he did, way better than he did um, in that rookie season, and he has looked pretty good in training camp. So I'm of the belief that, or the knowledge that the hip injury is behind him, but mm-hmm. we will see. Uh, in, in due time. Now, before we wrap up, I, I want to get into week one predictions. Now, I got to put you on the spot. You know, I got to I got to get clear, concrete answers from you. So, we're gonna start with our week one picks for this game, and then we're gonna get into the AFC East as a whole. First, I'll start with you. Who are you taking to win this week one matchup, the Dolphins or the Patriots? I think I will. I think I will take the Patriots. I think that you know, as as much as I sort of downplayed it before. I do think that if Austin Jackson is out of this game, which, you know, currently it's it's probably looking that way just based on the fact that he did test positive. He would have to have no symptoms for 24 hours. I'm not sure if he's symptomatic, but then we would also have to have uh, two negative tests 24 hours apart. So if they're coming into this game without the guy that they want to be their left tackle this season, I think that that Patriots front seven really could do a lot of damage um, in week one. I think it definitely helps. Uh, that, you know, like you said, you're, you're going to be traveling up to, to Foxborough for this game. Uh, if this game was in Miami, things would probably be looking a lot different uh, just because of the heat, because of the humidity. Um, so, you know, I, I give the Patriots usually the edge when they are playing at home. That being said, I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> we We have a better idea, I think, at this point of what the Dolphins are going to look like in 2021 than really what the Patriots are going to look like because as much as there was some changeover uh, with the Dolphins, you know, with the roster, with their with their coaching staff, um, you know, without Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, we still have a pretty good sense of what they looked like last year and how much of that can carry over. Almost everything got blown up in New England. I mean, you still have some guys who are, who are left over at running back and safety, Devin McCourty, all those things, but they changed over so much of their roster that I'm definitely curious to see if there are some early growing pains from how much changeover they had, the fact that they've got a rookie quarterback coming in. Um, but it, it's a really intriguing matchup that I would give the slight edge uh, to the Patriots just because of the factors I mentioned, being at home and the fact that COVID already is starting to affect the Dolphins roster. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I know Dolphins Twitter is going to get at me again for, for this <laughs> pick, but I am going with the New England Patriots. I I was going with New England before when I thought Cam was the starter, and I wavered a bit when he was released and they went with Mac, but I'm going to stick with it just because it's week one and they're playing in Foxborough. I, I do think that with or without Austin Jackson, the offensive line facing that defensive line does concern me. I think that this new offense that's being instituted with the co-offense coordinators, George Gatti and Eric Studesville, we, we have seen what some of it is going to be. They're going to do a lot of the RPO action that we saw to excel at in Alabama. We're going to see a lot of the short passing games, try to get the, the ball to these fast receivers and let them work, uh, get yards after, after the catch. And if there's one thing that I 
think the Dolphins have a clear advantage in. It's the skill position players on the outside and even throwing in Mike Gusecki in there facing the, the secondary and the linebackers of the New England Patriots. Now, I do wonder what Bill Belichick's kind of his chess match strategy is going to be because we know that he always has a clear plan. And I think it's interesting because there's not one clear number one wide receiver that he can say, J.C. Jackson, go cover him, and we're going to let everyone else beat us. You know, the Dolphins had Albert Wilson. They have Devontae Parker. They have Preston Williams. They have Jalen Waddle, who's going to be a really, really big part mm-hmm. of this. And even with Gusecki, he's a, a matchup nightmare in the slot. Mm-hmm. So I do think that they can exploit some things there. However, I'm of the mindset that if I was the Patriots and Bill Belichick, I would say, okay, if you want to throw the ball at the line of scrimmage, throw the ball five yards down the field, I'm going to let you do that, and I'm just going to limit your yard to catch, and I'm going to make you uh, drive 10, 12 plays, 80 yards down the field continuously. I'm going to take my chances with that. And I, I think that uh, the kind of X factor in this game will be if they, if the Dolphins can run the ball effectively behind that offensive line to stay in positive down and distances, because I think that you're going to have to run the ball well to, to open up some of the play actions, some of the RPOs, and generate those explosive plays that we've seen from the Dolphins in training camp. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to do it today in week one consistently to beat the Patriots. I know that win or lose, there's going to be a big overreaction, a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking and giving declarations on what this means about the Dolphins and the Patriots. But I think it's going to be a long season. I think both of these teams are going to be in the the playoff hunts when we get into November, December. And I think that they're going to be really competitive teams throughout. I, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier that it looked like Jalen Mills was going to be across from J.C. Jackson, at least from what we've seen over training camp and the preseason. Really interested, like you said, to see – what the Patriots do in their matchup against these Dolphins wide receivers, because we, quite frankly, don't even really know who's going to be starting at wide receiver uh, for the Dolphins in this game. Um, I would say that looks like J.C. Jackson against Devontae Parker would probably be a fairly obvious matchup uh, right off right off the gates, just because J.C. Jackson isn't the tallest cornerback, but he probably is the best matchup for that type of player. You could see Joan Williams, who I mentioned earlier. He's a 6'4 cornerback, 2019 second-round pick. Probably seeing him match up in the slot against Mike Kosicki. If it's not him, then they do have some other options at safety, like Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar, who could take on t- uh, tight ends. But it does seem like the Patriots basically added Joan Williams to take on those types of players like Mike Kosicki. So then if you're talking about Joan Williams potentially playing in the slot, you could even see Jonathan Jones, as much as he's been a, a slot cornerback throughout the course of his career, you could potentially see him playing outside in this game just because of some of those matchups in Miami. I don't think that he's the worst matchup for a guy like Jakeem Grant. I don't think he's, he's the worst matchup for a guy like Albert Wilson. And even Jalen Waddell, I don't know how many snaps he's going to be getting right off the bat for the Dolphins, but he's an undersized guy who's a burner. And that describes Jonathan Jones as well. Jonathan Jones is only a five foot nine cornerback, but he ran something like a five two nine something like that coming out of Auburn. He's a burner where you usually like to see a smaller cornerback like that in the slot. If it's against a burner, smaller wide receiver like Grant or like Waddle or a more slot option like Albert Wilson, he might not be the worst option to go outside in this game. Yeah, most definitely. And like you said, we don't necessarily know how the snap count is going to shake out with this team. I know that in the week one depth chart, 
Jalen Waddle has been moved from like a third teamer to one of the starting wide receivers, but I, I don't buy too much into that. I think that there's going to be it's going to be really fluid in terms of the packages and what they do. Um, Helps now, take works on this game as well. Obviously. It really it does. Obviously, he's going to miss one game serving the last of that six game suspension, so they'll get him back week two against the Buffalo Bills. Now, kind of doing a, a macro look to the AFC East, I think that um, league wide or you know across the board. The thought is that the Bills are the class of this division, winning it last year, upgrading in the offseason, Josh Allen having an MVP caliber season, and they're one of the, the shortlist teams to to win the Super Bowl. Um, are you of the mindset that they're just head and shoulders above the Dolphins and the Patriots, and how do you see that division ranking uh, shaking out at the end of the season? I do. I think that they'll they'll win the AFC East again this season. I, I do think that they, you know, if anything, they probably, you know, they, they might have improved their roster a little bit. And then really the it's it's an obvious point, but the X factor with the Bills is that Josh Allen has to be as good or better than he was last season. And it's almost impossible to predict how Josh Allen is going to look this season because you've never really seen a quarterback improve the way that he did from year two to year three, or even just improve that much in any sort of span. Um, I looked into some PFF numbers, some some other kind of quarterback rating numbers uh, a few weeks back, trying to find just any other quarterback who had a similar career trajectory to Josh Allen, where he went from being, you know, basically a below average quarterback to one of the best in the NFL. And it was impossible to find. The closest one that I could possibly find was actually Case Keenum when he had that super random, like a really good season that came out of nowhere, and then he fell back to earth. So I'm not comparing Josh Allen to Case Keenum, but usually there is some return to the mean for a quarterback like that. So the only way that I see it possible for the Dolphins or the Patriots to really compete with the Bills and be you know, in the running for that AFC East lead is if there's injuries to the Bills or if Josh Allen does take a step backwards. I don't see it happening, and the big reason for that is Brian Dable's return as offensive coordinator. I think that if the Bills had lost Brian Dable as their offensive coordinator, then maybe you would have seen uh, some, some, you know, some return to the mean for Josh Allen. You could have seen him, uh, you know, not have quite as good of a season as he did last season. The fact that Dable's back, the fact that they brought back uh, so much of their offense, I do think it's going to be another monster year for Josh Allen. I do think the Bills are going to be the the class of the AFC East again this year. No, I agree with you that the Bills are certainly the best team in the AFC East. I don't know if they're head and shoulders above the rest of the division. Obviously, they're much, much better than the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of comparing them to the Dolphins and even the Patriots, I mean, I think that both these teams were improved in the off season. Yep. I think that they have defenses that could that can compete with the Bills' offense. And I know that the Bills added some pass rush help to to try to beat a team like the Chiefs. So I think that their defense should be improved. But like you said, the big question is Josh Allen. I, when looking at his MVP caliber season, I being somebody who came from Baltimore and covering the Ravens, I look at how good Lamar Jackson was and how difficult it is to follow up on a record-breaking season 
like that. You know, sure. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are two different players, although both can move. In terms of passing, you we definitely say Josh Allen is a lot better. But still, it's very difficult to keep up that consistent level of play. And it seems like Josh Allen for the first two years of his career was just kind of a middle of the pack quarterback and out of yep. nowhere he's been <laughs> thrown in he's throw he's been thrown into discussion with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So now the question is, was that twenty nineteen or twenty twenty season an anomaly or is this what we're gonna start seeing for the rest of his career? That's a really big question. I know that Stefan Diggs last year really really helped him. Mm-hmm. He obviously has Cole Beasley with him who's a really great security blanket in the slot. Yep. They added Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. So they're they're not going to be lacking of skill position players. And, again, it's going to be really interesting to see um, if he can top or, or keep that level of play throughout um, this, this 2021 season. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I, I think that, yeah, I think adding Emmanuel Sanders helps. I think, like you said, bring back, like having Beasley and, and Diggs back in there. But, no, I mean – you have seen these these otherworldly seasons from quarterbacks before, and it's not only you know Lamar Jackson is a good example of someone who did regress a little bit after that MVP season, but you know even going back to guys like I mean, Michael Vick had an incredible season for the Eagles, then wasn't really able to to repeat that uh, the next season. Um, you, you go through guys in the past like Carson Palmer had you know some magical seasons, then kind of regressed a little bit. Uh, Randall Cunningham, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for someone like Josh Allen uh, to regress a little bit this season. Like I said, it's definitely a possibility. It's 1,000% on the table because he basically looked like a completely different player last year. It's like they like dropped in some other super accurate quarterback who, who went through all of his reads perfectly last season after having a guy for the first two years who was – you know, really looked like kind of a disappointment as a first-round pick. So I think it's 1,000% on the table uh, for Josh Allen to not be as good as he was last season. But I also think that the Bills themselves were smart in setting it up for him to be, you know, as good, maybe nearly as good, whatever it is, uh, this season as he was last year. I think you might eventually see a regression from Josh Allen. It just might not be this season based on everything else that they did. Yeah, definitely. So before we go, I do have to put you on the spot one more time. I know we both have the Bills as the the top team in the AFC East, but second, third, what are you predicting? Are you picking the Dolphins? Are you picking the Patriots? That's tough. It's uh, I the the Patriots and Dolphins are so similar to me. I know that they're not you know set up overly similarly. Similarly, you have obviously some different head coaching and coordinator and everything like that. But I think that just their roster structure overall, they're like very similarly talented to one another. Um, I'm a big fan of Brian Flores. I think that he's, he's going to be a great head coach. I think that the Dolphins are really set up well for success moving forward with Brian Flores. I think that I would probably give the slight edge to the Patriots and have them second in, in the division. If only just because of the, the carryover at offensive coordinator for the Patriots, I know that that might be something that's kind of overlooked a little bit in the NFL, but the Dolphins have had a lot of upheaval there uh, for their coordinators uh, since Brian Flores has come in, and maybe it will work out for them with the co-offensive coordinators uh, with George Godsey and Eric Stoosville. But, you know, George Godsey is someone who's kind of bounced around the NFL for the last, since he actually left the Patriots, he was a tight ends coach for the Patriots, and he has bounced around a little bit. So 
I'm curious to see if he and Studerville are, are, are set up for that, how that dynamic will work. If we're looking at this in another year and saying, all right, the Dolphins have another changeover at offensive coordinator, whether one of those guys replaces the other one, whether one moves up, whether they have to re- replace the whole thing overall. I just think that the Patriots are a little bit more sound in their coaching staff overall. You've got Bill Belichick as the head coach, greatest head coach in the NFL right now. So that's why I would give the Patriots a slight edge. I know Dolphins fans won't be happy about that, but I do think – I could even see them finishing with the same record this season. I, I really do think that they're they're super close. So I would go Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. And I actually don't think the Jets might be as bad as people think they, they might be this season as well. Um, I really like what they've got there with Robert Sala, uh, what, they, what they've done with the offensive coordinator with the LaFleur in there as well. Uh, it just all depends on how ready Zach Wilson will be right away for them. Yeah, you were just on Dolphin Schroeder's bad side today. I'm I so know, sorry for this. But... At this point. I'm, like, I'm like trying to guard myself, but I should just go all in and be like, come at me, guys. You know, it's, that, you know, it's that, That's how I am about it. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think that these are very similar teams. I will give the Patriots the slight edge just because of the continuity, like you said. If they are successful, I think it's going to be more because of the defense than it is Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. But again, you could say the same thing about the Dolphins. I think Tua will play well this season. But I think that the Dolphins' defense is really set up to perform well again after leading the league in in takeaways and generating a lot of sacks and pressures and whatnot. I think that even from the the Bills to the Dolphins or from the Bills to the Patriots, I think that these teams are only going to be separated by maybe two, three games. They're all going to be competitive when they when they face each other. And this is this is the fun part of everything. We get to give our predictions, and then we get to go watch them on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays get blown to sh- and ripped to shreds. <laughs> and then we get to take all the heat for being wrong or gloating and being right. So it's going to be really fun. I'm really excited for week one. I'm excited for this entire NFL season, and it's it's definitely going to be a good one. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a good game to start it off too with the with the Patriots and Dolphins. I don't think I'll be there. I think just in my current job, it makes more sense for me to kind of stay home and monitor all the games. But that would definitely be a a fun one uh, to be at. And no, I think that the the improvement we could see from the Patriots defense this season can't be overlooked. Just I mean, like I said last year, I, I think that people kind of do overlook how rough the Patriots defense was at times last season like Stevon Gilmore JC Jackson Devin McCourty those guys bailed them out a decent amount but it was like practice squad replacement level players playing at defensive tackle and at linebacker for the Patriots uh just with with Dante Hightower out and all the injuries that they had at defensive tackle uh they've improved their depth so much there at this point uh that their defense with or without Stephon Gilmore, uh, could be top five, top ten in the NFL. And then once Stephon Gilmore is back in there, they should be in the running for one of the best defenses in the NFL this season. Yeah, and I'm sure on the Miami side they're saying the same thing about their defense. You know, I'll for definitely sure. take the I'll definitely take the under in this game going forward. And that Dolphin secondary is going to be great. I think that they're they're really deep. Um, and I think that they I I'm kind of breezing past them because obviously you know a lot more about the Dolphins defense uh, than I do. But I, I think that that unit has a chance to be really really good this season as well for sure. No, most definitely, most definitely. Like I said, I'm taking the under on that game, but um, we'll we'll find out soon enough on Sunday. Well, that brings us to the end of these, this week's edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I want to again thank Doug Kai for joining us and giving so much great insight 
on the Patriots and really the AFC East and the NFL as a whole. Um, you know, we'll both be watching from wherever we are. I'll be in Foxborough. You might be. You're still based in based in yeah. there, correct? Yeah, I'll be I'll be like 20 minutes southwest of Foxborough, probably. If I if I don't if I don't head out to the game, which I, yeah. yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'll be close. Yep, so we'll still both be in the area. It'll be a fun one, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.